This week on Glistening Particles. You know, they're telling you that what you look like and what you do is not enough according to their standards. And there's a possibility that some of these people who are saying this are not even doing a fraction of this. This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Here's a crazy offer. So I love having conversations with people who are trying to like up level their life, do something new, go after something, but are struggling with an obstacle. One of my favorite things to do is tune in and help break through those barriers. And this isn't um, anything I'm trying to do to make money. It's just something that when I help people, I feel good too. So if you'd like to have a conversation with me, look at something from a few new angles, reach out to me, janeaglisteningparticles.com or instant message me on any of the social media platforms. Hope to hear from you. I think the best way to introduce today's guest is with some of her own words. LaToya Shante Sanel says, I'm an 80s kid who takes herself seriously while not taking herself seriously sometimes. I'm a recovering self-defeatist, a walking contradiction, and have a ridiculous love-hate relationship with all sorts of F-words, good ones and bad ones. And so with that, let's talk to LaToya today and learn all about running, the New York Marathon, cooking, and her life. She's absolutely inspiring. Here she is. Hi, LaToya. Welcome to Glistening Particles. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm pretty excited. So for the listeners, we have LaToya Shante Snell with us today. And I found out about her when I was scrolling through Instagram and saw your article on HuffPost Women and was blown away. So your article um, was really about, I think the essence of that article was about fat shaming for runners, right? For athletes, right? Is yes. that the, the crux of it? Yeah. Um, like that, I mean, don't get me wrong. That is definitely the running title, but I've realized just from my first time of actually going viral, at least writing wise, mm -hmm. I realized that sometimes using like using the athlete term, I guess it's like, I don't want to say the term clickbait, but essentially is what lures people in to understand like, you know, who, what I do, not so much who I do, but what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can use athlete and replace it with anything else in that um in that aspect okay that was something when i went viral um in 2017 from being um heckled at the new york city marathon i learned that very quickly that 
the reason why so many people felt like the article resonated with them um, about being fat shamed at the New York City Marathon was that not because I'm a runner, it's just that people are being shamed in different aspects and different areas of their life. Mm -hmm. So this go around, here I am 2019, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, you know, I'm realizing like, hey, you know, now I'm actually listed as a professional athlete with Hoka One One, um, and I have several, you know, um, companies that basically like I have close to 10 companies that actually support what I do and support my brand running fat chef, which is basically my food and fitness blog. Mm -hmm. I realized that the reason why the article resonated with them and as well as this one is because it's not just something that happens in sports. It happens in our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And I felt like I wanted to like with HuffPost, they gave me the opportunity to elaborate a little bit more than just 800 words. Right. you know, like, I mean, because, like, a lot of these, uh, like, you know, as a, as a journalist, it, a lot of these uh, depends on where you go. They want you to kind of, like, nip it in the bud and, like, hey, can you give us, like, this terrible story in 800 to 1,200 words? I know. That's impossible. <laughs> I mean, how do you even do that? It's just not possible. Yeah. You know, so that, that's the reason why I was thankful for HuffPost. You know, one, it's a huge, you know, huge place where um, different walks of life actually go on that site and they read these articles. But, two, I just wanted to give more of a personal feel to people understand who I am as a person and mm-hmm. that I essentially can be considered as a metaphor like uh, that while my story is unique because it's me right situation is not unique and unfortunately this is something I do not want company in mm-hmm. um there's so many people who have lately I'm still going through emails it's been at least two weeks now um, oh wow yeah and I'm still at the 300 to 500 mark of oh my in- gosh yeah, so like I mean, I, when I saw your email, I was like, okay, thank God, I got, I got, you know, I actually saw it, you know, is and it's beautiful. But I've been to be very frank, I have been overwhelmed with reading some of the terrible like stories and the trauma that people have gone through just from being shamed about their bodies, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. the way that they think, the way that they operate, the way that they move. So while the story is very heavily. Um, concentrated about you know me being a you know now officially and this still feels weird to me mm-hmm. a professional athlete you know uh with hoka one one or what people refer to as hoka one one mm-hmm. you know i'm like wow i'm out here in the media and i'm still getting fat shamed right. i'm still being told to lose weight i'm still being told that you know you're you're not fat enough you're not skinny enough you're not good enough that's essentially what these messages that people give across you know they're telling you that what you look like and what you do is not enough according to their standards and there's a possibility that some of these people who are saying this are not even doing a fraction of this but right. that's besides the point it's the idea that if i'm getting this and I'm in a public eye and I'm getting this, mm-hmm. then imagine the person that you're sitting next to on the train right. or the, you know, or the, someone that's my kid's age, you know, who's happens to be 11, who stories may not be as hurt, not hurt as much because maybe while I found that personal shrimp of, yes, I want to fight back. I want to be able to say, no, this is not acceptable. That's not the stories of a lot of people. A lot of mm-hmm. people are so conditioned to believing in, yeah, you know, get over it, um, especially with my generation. And I'm kind of like in the cusp of, I guess, what they would consider the, um, the new generation versus uh, older generations. I'm 33. Mm-hmm. So I fall right in the middle of that group where we're 
I, I, I hate to use the word progressive. I would say that we're acknowledging things that previous generations did not talk about. You don't mm-hmm. talk about feelings. You don't talk about, you don't get labeled, like labeling someone with the word crazy is taboo. Right, you know, right. this generation versus, you know, maybe even like, you know, like I want to say even five years or five to 10 years older than me, people are like, yeah, we can just loosely throw around that term. And now this generation is like, absolutely not. Right. You do not label somebody as that. And it's like, you're battling so many things that you've been conditioned to believe in. Well, um, but the thing yeah. is, we can label people with, so, people can get away with labeling people with so many things. I mean, yes. actually, I, I, the reverse of that, there's so many labels that we're, you know, we know we can't use. But calling someone fat or or labeling them as, you know, their body doesn't fit the standard can still be so acceptable in so many areas. Mm. I feel like my biggest challenge is fat shaming myself. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's what's unfortunate. Is it's not even that other people are doing it. It's that people are doing it to themselves. I remember when I lost the weight. Uh, so I started my weight loss journey. Uh, and, and I say weight loss journey because I, I, I mean, nobody can really see the air quotes that I put around it. Right. But um, right. I started off with the weight loss journey, May 28th, 2013. Mm-hmm. And when I lost the weight, I realized that people still thought I was still fat. I had mm-hmm. some people who thought I lost too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some people who accused me of all of a sudden being this different person mm-hmm. when I lost the weight. But the thing is, it, it taps into the insecurities of um, insecure people, you right. know, or, or it, it forces them to question themselves when you are willing to change aspects of yourself. Understand when you're hearing things like uh, you're pretty, but when you right. hear that, but in there, that's someone that's not accepting you at your present state. That is someone who is not having that they're lacking a, a certain level of respect almost to themselves because mm-hmm. this, most of the time, this is not someone speaking to you. This is someone speaking to their own reflection. True. So true. I think I, I think I said this on um, to a couple of people in conversation that uh, if you want to piss off a troll, show them a mirror. Ah. And, and mm-hmm. sometimes that troll can be ourselves. It's the hardest one. I mean, right. it's, think about it. We, we come from generations on top of generations of told, especially, and I, I, I don't mean to exclude, you know, men from this conversation, but just for a minute, you know, as women, we've been told and conditioned to look pretty, mm-hmm. look pretty for someone else, not for yourself. You looking is presentation for someone else. You have to groom yourself and condition yourself and to be something or a, hold a certain status to be approved by others, but we we barely speak about how we are perceived by ourselves. There's nothing worse that the heckler could ever tell me that I haven't told myself. I've told myself I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm less than, I'm not worthy of an accomplishment. I, I'm literally a, a recovering self-defeatist. And I would say that, I call myself as such because I've had so many opportunities that were thrown my direction Mm-hmm. where I intentionally sabotaged it because I wanted to get to it first before someone else can rob me of that opportunity. And then I'll have to say, wow, they're the reason why I have this and this. Because people were at one point were telling me, well, your voice is too vocal. You're too this. You know, well, you're funny. You're the funny fat girl. And this is and this. So when I heard all of it, it made me say, well, maybe they're right. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not this, you know, good person. Maybe I'm not this strong person. Maybe I do need to work on myself. And the thing is, don't get me wrong, self-reflection is always great. Mm-hmm. But understand where is that 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 thin line between improvement and toxicity. Right. Under- right. There is a very fine line where you become so 
analytical you're analyzing yourself to this painful degree where regardless of how much weight you lost how much you gained how much i want to say again another air quote um self-improvement that you've mm-hmm. made if your mind hasn't caught up mm-hmm. to any of that improvement you haven't lost really anything right. which you're you're still holding on to the weight and the gravity of things that you've been conditioned to believe about yourself or what you believe that society has crammed down your throat well first of all i think that self-improvement and betterment are a lifelong quest for me i think that why wouldn't I want to keep getting better? And I don't mean better in the better for everybody else, but better in the my soul, you know, like, ooh, that makes me, I feel better because I learned this thing or I accomplished that mm. thing. Um, but I think that for me, there were a couple of things that I accomplished that were the catalyst to finally moving through this, you know, or getting closer to, the, to where I'm almost to the edge of it, you know, where I'm finally letting these those voices go. Um, did you find that yourself where there's some big hurdles that you hit and jumped over and you went, okay, now I get it. Now I'm on the road to, you know, loving myself fully and being fully myself. Every single day. Um, every Uh time I think I understand a layer of myself, Mm -hmm. life presents something else. And while it may be frustrating some days, sometimes I don't want to absorb the lesson that life prevent um does um pretty much given me. Mm-hmm. Um, I am thankful for it because that's the only way that I can actually grow as a human being, and it's the only way that I can actually picture actually giving, uh, writing these blurbs or sharing myself on such a transparent and very vulnerable um, <laughs> way. I mean, because right. I, I never when I started this, I never pictured. So many people actually taking my words seriously. I barely had took myself seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I took myself seriously, but I never thought that anyone would actually say, yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Or, hey, I made that observation too. Or maybe I disagree, but I'm willing to have a respectful conversation mm-hmm. with you. You know, So it's very interesting of how much when you think you got yourself together, life is just like, <laughs> no, here's another thing that I want to sh- teach you today. You know, we have to be open enough to take in the lesson. Um, at times, especially in the age of social media, we get so caught up in looking at our peers. Mm-hmm. Or like and I, and I still and I still have to give myself reality checks still. I think that's like the lesson of this year, um, of last year rather, um, that I had to give myself where when I actually started embracing that hey, wow, these people just actually turned me into an accidental activist. (laughs) And and I'm looking at people who are actually, you know, who've been Mm -hmm. doing this before, you know, before I got to to a point where I was comfortable being this vocal. And I'm just like, wow, okay, they're telling me I'm great. And I'm in this magazine and this magazine and this magazine, but I don't feel like I'm doing enough. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't have the degree. I don't have Mm -hmm. the, I don't have the credentials. I don't have the years of backing. There's no manual when mm-hmm. it comes down to operating in your daily life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that the more that we learn how to embrace that not everything is going to be this photoshopped reality, the more that we can come to terms with embracing who we are at our present state. It does not mean that we have to neglect the idea of trying to accomplish certain goals, but it does help you to cope at that present moment. Mm-hmm. It's not a pretty little lie that you're telling yourself. There is nothing wrong with being able to look at the reflection, whether it's a physical aspect where it's looking at your reflection. Like most of my personal demons are my inner conflict with my own personal body, mm-hmm. where 
there's days where people are like, oh my God, you're so inspiring. And I'm like, yeah, try telling that to me when I'm in pain. Like my, my body's inflamed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going through, you know, sciatica flare ups or endometriosis flare ups or uh, something else is kicking me, you know, um, on my side over again. And now my hands are swelling. You know, those were, were where most of my demons lie when mm-hmm. it came down to my relationship with my body and how I would basically translate into the way that I talk to myself. So it's not a matter of, I don't look beautiful. I don't feel beautiful. Right. So when you have that, I started taking on this practice of, um, it's like a little bit of a fusion of what I learned through doing yoga, Mm -hmm. as well as years of before culinary or any of this stuff ever came to life. I learned it just from working in the social work field Mm -hmm. where I'd started buying, um, Post-it, um, post-it notes, like little sticky notes. Mm-hmm. And I bought a pen. I would keep it near my bed, right by the mirror. I would, in turn, choose the area about myself or the body part part that I absolutely hated that day. Mm-hmm. So if it meant the way that my brain gets fuzzy uh-huh. <laughs> that day, right. that's the area that I would choose. And I would force myself to stand in that mirror and look and find three things that I love about the area that I hate Wow. And that's powerful. And you cannot put down <sighs> one negative thing on that paper. Wow. So if it meant that today I hate that my you know that that my stomach is exceptionally bloated because of sciatica, I'll have to write a love poem essentially to my sciatica. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and it's like how? You know, like cuz I, I think it's so right. easy to find all the things that you hate about yourself or right. the things that you've been conditioned to believe that you know that you're not good enough in. But to actually write a love poem to something that you absolutely hate, oh that's hard. Right. And it's going to force you to look and address the fear, because sometimes it is a fear, you know, a fear mm-hmm. of loving yourself to its fullest capacity. Because like, oh, my God, what happens when I fully love myself? Will I acknowledge the things that I've damaged or conditioned myself to believe? If you practice that, you know, on like even for a week, I was just I was at a point where I was just like, wow, I looked at my body. I looked at my accomplishments different because I'm one of those people that I don't take compliments as well when people are writing me all these messages understand that this is very overwhelming for me mm-hmm. to get all of these positive messages because i start to get that it goes from hallmark moment to oh my god like did i just brag on this you know platform right, right. That I did? are the trolls right am i attention seeking even though i know my intentions weren't that it's because it's an area where i'm trying to deprogram 33 years of being <laughs> right. conditioned right of, not believing that I'm good enough. Right. And what if they knew I, it was really in my head? Oh my gosh. What if they right. knew what my, like this looked like, or that looked like, or this, what I thought. Yeah. All that. But yeah, I you, think that's what's so beautiful about the world today. And that's why you are so inspiring is because people are, you know, pulling, lifting the, the hood off the engine and letting you see what, what's really in there. And that's yeah. the thing when you were talking about, um, what's going on in your head and what, like, not liking compliments and all that, Really, really, everybody's like that. But we just are finally admitting it out loud. Yeah. Because yeah. everybody is really like that. You can look at the most famous, deemed perfect woman figure out there, like, you know, not that they are or aren't, but they have this, they have their own set of negative um, tapes running in their head. They have their yes. own set of insecurities. They have their own things they don't want you to see. And everybody has that. You know, but I mean, you got to think about it. I mean, for years, you know, before. Photoshop, the actual program existed, you you still were sold a perception. 
Mm-hmm. Of, of perfection and perfection lies in your imperfection and the thing is we're not told that enough we're not mm-hmm. told that we're good just the way that we are just because you see that person on a magazine and that's not the crap on the person that's on the magazine hell maybe it's well earned and that's mm-hmm. okay but that's for them right that's there that's where they're at the whole, i mean I, i've met plenty of people uh, in my five or six years who i've literally realized that they were super insecure Right. You know, in their daily lives, it's like, okay, great. Like, and I mean, and I find myself at this stage of the game where here I am. I'm in, like, I I think I I found out last week I was in two magazines and I was like, oh, okay, thanks, guys. You know, (laughs) no idea. You know, and, and, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, you're you're so inspiring and you're so strong. And because of the the comments that I'm getting and people are telling me of what they think about me, and I'm like, shit, but I don't see that in myself. Right. You know, it's it's like, you know, it, it takes, time yeah to let that stuff kind of catch up with you to be able to take a moment and just kick back and say let me take a day off and just really take this all in did i really do that yes right. i did. right i am capable of doing that you know because i hate to say it because of the backlash it's very weird um i got all these positive messages but it's very weird of how the negative stuff can stick Gosh. to you yeah oh, um, totally totally and and it's like because I, when you get as much hate mail as I get um, on a regular basis, it makes you very skeptical right. of oh, people's right. intentions. You know, right. like, unfortunately, you know, this comes with everything from racist comments to, you know, size or, you know, background or, you know, stereotypes. Like, all those things are kind of tied in. So when you see enough of it, mm-hmm. even when you know that that's not the person that you are, you start to believe it. So you didn't, you start to question the intention of why did this person share this with me? Even right. when you know in the back of your heart you want to believe that it's coming from a genuine place it's like you always have that okay i'm just waiting for that person to kind of attack me Mm -hmm. because it's something that we've again and i hate to say the word again but conditioned to believe you know so it takes time it takes there is different layers i like to consider myself an onion Mm -hmm. and when you peel back every layer you get to taste a different a different texture is a different texture it's a different size it's a different feel when you peel back those layers Mm -hmm. and all those layers, there's nothing wrong with each of those layers. It's just you have to find uniqueness in each of those layers. You know, right. the skin that's in there, the the part that makes you cry, the part that uh-huh. makes you savor it, the way that it changes if you put a heat, you know, some type of heat application to it. That's what I consider humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we get to this healthier state of mind where we are not so worried about the intentions but just taking it for what it is Mm -hmm. so if someone says that you're beautiful well thank you Mm -hmm. i know realistically from like you know from realistically logically i know that the the answer for that is thank you right but telling myself that and reminding myself that is a daily challenge right that I'm willing to actually take up because it does not scare me for self-improvement. It does not scare me to be a better person and it's going to require work. Right. And you know, it's so like, I'm sitting here looking at you on video and since the second you got on the screen, I'm just like, oh my gosh, she is so beautiful. But so I did beautiful. the thing with you. Ah, <laughs> see, oh, and, see, mirror. See, and, <laughs> see the thing is, it's a, it's a mirror. And the thing is that it's, it's hard because like, you know, you, we, we're so we're so we're so used to looking at others and acknowledging their their beauty or their accomplishments, and it's like, how do we accept that 
inspiring people inspire other people who don't mm-hmm. even know that they're inspiring. Mm-hmm. And it's, all this, if, if negativity is contagious, so is positive action. Right, right. So, so is in, being inspiring. Understand that you can't be inspiring to someone else if they can't see that light within them. Within them. Right. You know, otherwise it's nothing but darkness. Uh, so when I get those compliments, I always feel compelled to say, well, you you as well you know right. and it's not like i'm just saying it because you know it sounds like the right thing to do is because sometimes people will ask me questions like hey how do i do this, this and this or whatever how do i get to that level of confidence you know i'm not used to writing complete strangers you know right. but i felt compelled to write you today and i'm like hey sounds like you're a pretty brave person if you're writing a stranger um you know three thousand miles away to tell me these things now how do you tell yourself that i want you to read back your comment read back your your, your email to me and I want you to answer the questions. You provide yourself the answers to the questions that you asked me that you already have mm-hmm. there. You're looking for reassurance. You don't need reassurance from someone else. You need that reassurance for yourself. Right. So if it means that you have to keep reading yourself, almost like you're writing your book and are the reader right. of that book, then you keep doing that until you figure out where can I actually make these corrections? Where can I actually write this story the way that I want it to be written? You know, I really respect the way you take those um, emails um, with such care and honor. Like you're honoring them by writing them back with true, personal, meaningful advice or thoughts. You know, I I really respect that because some people would be like, "Uh, I just got all these compliments. Good. I'll file them away. But you're taking the time. And actually, I think that would be such a a phenomenal experience to connect with people like that. Yeah. You know, one after another. That must be just amazing. You know, when you were talking about seeing each other and that sort of thing. Sometimes I think we're not able to see ourselves in 3D. Like we see ourselves in 2D, like by mm-hmm. the list, kind of like in the Terminator where he would scan and he you'd see all the facts. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's what's next to me all the time, like the assessment <laughs> of the right. situation. And rather than seeing like myself in 3D, like the voice and the the essence and the, you know, all the things that go with it. So maybe that's part of the thing um, work to work on is, seeing the whole picture, not just the list. It, it takes a while, you know, um, it really takes a while. It's, it's, you know, like if you think about the way that we're able to give compliments mm-hmm. or we're able to make assessments or give people, give our friends the best of advice, but we don't know, we choose not to take our own. <laughs> right. <laughs> you right. Know? You know, it's, it's yeah. like, you know, we have to kind of, uh, we have to practice what we preach uh, that's in true. a sense. You know, and, and the thing is, like, we can be our own biggest hypocrites or we can be our own saviors. It depends on the day of the week, where our mind is at. <laughs> the hour and of the day. <laughs> the hour of the day, you know, um, to, the, how child not doing the laundry, whatever it may right. be. <laughs> it, it's just a matter of embracing that we are allowed to reinvent ourselves mm-hmm. as many times as we desire. Mm-hmm. We are allowed to screw up as many times as it takes to be able to get what we deserve and we right. want in this lifetime. Uh, these standards that we that that we put on each other and on mm-hmm. ourselves, it makes it so hard for us to be so forgiving, you mm-hmm. know, or to be vulnerable. Like, you know, when you're out there and you're looking at the society where everybody's like, we expect you to be perfect, even though we're not. Right. We're super judgmental towards each other. And mm-hmm. as long as we're not... I think that's the reason why I try to be as uh, as honest as I can be on social media, because I think that social media, I think if anybody was to create some type of New Year's resolution, I think if it was a little bit more honesty mm-hmm. um, on social media, it would give other people permission to screw up, 
to mm-hmm. say, hey, today is a terrible day. And this is the reason why. And for others to actually uplift others in that mm-hmm. process and say, hey, today's a terrible day. But guess what? There's still a couple more hours in this day to actually turn that around. Or if that is just the way that you feel, there's nothing wrong with feeling that way at that moment. There's going to be days that you, you're going to feel like absolute crap. But the next day, you get to reinvent yourself. Right. You get to say, hey, listen, you know what? Today is going to be a little bit um, different. Or maybe four things in my day went wrong. But I had that one thing that I can hold on to today mm-hmm. that made it so much worth it. And it, it made it, it made it, you know, just, it gave me like five minutes of hope that right. tomorrow is going to be better. And tomorrow is going to be better. If we put that into practice, they say that it takes three weeks to, to create a habit, 21 days. Mm-hmm. If we put in just that much energy, even if it meant that's only 10 minutes a day mm-hmm. of applying some type of happy thoughts or positive energy or positive self-talk to ourselves, I kid you not, it's not going to be some overnight process, but something, some kind of aspect in your life will change. So if it means that you look in that mirror for five minutes and you mm-hmm. say, damn girl, you look good. Right. You know, um, hey, I mean, because that's because people laugh when I sometimes when I have trolls and they'll openly go on my page and I re- I'll reply back to them. As soon as they do the fat shaming, I'm like, yeah, my back fat is bedazz- bedazzled, honey. I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, my back fat is bedazzled. My stomach, I was like, my, my three pack is incredible. I, was, I love this face. And it's not like a pack full of lies that I'm telling myself. I'm like, no, I believe my back fat is bedazzled. You know, like, you know it's just saying there's a level of power that you get right. to take back when someone is trying to strip you down. And right. if that person happens to be you, you have to be able to take that power back from right. your negative side and say, hey, listen. Positive, like positively, I still have breath. I still have life. I oh, still right. have energy. And if you can do that, wow! Imagine how powerful you can be. So one of the things I was wondering, I was looking at your story, watching you do your workouts. Which, wow, love watching that. When did you really get into athletics? Was this something you've always done, or was no. that more recent? Oh man, that's definitely uh, like five years ago, like May twenty eighth, twenty thirteen, recent. Oh, so <laughs> like, like you didn't then, you didn't play sports in school? No, or, oh my no, gosh, this is even no, more I, incredible. Yeah, like I mean, like like my bonding time with my dad it was either cooking or watching boxing. Like I was a boxing nut. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> like I would just examine and I'd be, you know, it was probably like the one time that I was probably allowed to say the um the BS word. Okay. Um, <laughs> You know, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, all right, he's gonna let it fly, you know. Again, otherwise, he's gonna knock my teeth off, you know. Like, you know, but like in my household, we watch boxing, and I used to love the way that they would move because I was like, people used to tell me I, I walk like a robot. Uh huh. Oh. Like, walk so rigid. They was like, you walk like you're waiting for somebody to like, you know, like you're sizing somebody up. And I'm like, no, I promise you, that's not the case. It's just that, you know. I like in my in my head, I was like, I'm graceful, but the way I walk is very, very rigid, even wow. to this day. Um, but I wasn't that girl that was was the runner. I was uh-huh. not that girl who did double dutch. I wasn't even the girl who played with Barbie dolls. Like more than anything, um, I admired football. I mm. love I love watching football. Um, I don't watch it as much these days, but I loved football. Um, I collected basketball cards at one point, but I would not touch these sports to save wow. my life. And um, I think the closest that I got into academic, I'm um, not academics, into to fitness. Uh, this is terrible. The closest <laughs> thing, to, the, the closest thing to fitness was actually um, getting into fights in school. Oh, so, <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
that kid. kid. The one thing I will say that has not changed about me. Uh, I think I, I grew up to not like bullies so much that I was always running to someone else's defense. I didn't have to know you for five seconds. If I saw something wrong, oh no, I was gonna get in your face about it. Like at first I'll try to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I saw that you were physically attacking someone, which is how I actually met my um, one of my best friends. Um, <laughs> By saving she, them? By saving yeah, them? Okay. Yeah, and I wasn't trying to save them. Like, you know, like, cause she's like, oh, she's like, girl, she's like, um, you know, I could tell you this later, you know, I can tell you this now, but I knew I had to be best friends with you cause I just didn't want you to kick my ass. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I was like, why? I'm like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't like that somebody was actually, and this was like in seventh grade, and wow. I didn't like that somebody was actually teasing her for her size, and like her breasts have blossomed a lot, uh-huh. you know, at seventh grade, and like that, it makes you a target with boys. Right. Boys just, you know, they they going through their own little stages and changes or whatever, um, and I didn't like it. And people that was around me was just like, yeah, she'll make jokes with you. Um, and at the time I was like 110 pounds. Uh-huh. I, I had that teased me for being too skinny. Why don't you eat a sandwich? But people knew don't make those jokes around her because she will knock you out <laughs> and she will and she will smile it off while she did it. You know, and that really was like that was the only thing fitness wise. <laughs> uh, but it literally took for me to gain all this weight. I had pretty much hit over 265 pounds. Um, somewhere around the time I got diagnosed with sciatica, mm-hmm. it was before I found out about the endometriosis. And mm-hmm. um, I was I came out of culinary school, got happy, ate. You know, you mm-hmm. as a chef, you're always you know instructed taste your food, make sure it tastes good before you actually send it out to service. I got a little overzealous with tasting <laughs> the food, and you know, I can or, I can uh, imagine. <laughs> it's, it's very easy up into the lifestyle and because of that lifestyle it also sometimes introduces really unhealthy practices where mm-hmm. you're drinking or you know like it's it's, like it's part of the culture mm-hmm. and sometimes some culture is a little toxic you know right. um i got to this point where I, w- I had all the signs in the world that my health was failing mm-hmm. my hands i stopped feeling sensation in my fingertips sometimes at random times while i was cutting wow i, I I thought it was just, you know, all the excuses you make for yourself. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, people go through finger tinglingness, you know, when they're typing on a computer. Maybe I'm going through some type of, like, you know, movement issues or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, no, nothing's wrong. Then all of a sudden my other hand started, you know, having this back and forth issue. Then I started getting lightheaded, forgetfulness. Uh, it was just all these things compiling on until my body just said, no, I had enough. Mm-hmm. You're ignoring. I went to the kitchen one day. I made a joke. Unfortunately, it was a dirty joke. So it just happened to fall in line. I bent over and could not get back up. Oh, no. And the the entire kitchen is cracking up because they thought this was part of the joke. (laughs) Until they realized, holy crap, she's not getting back up. And they're like, where's this pain? And I'm like, how can I tell anybody that all the pain is shooting to my anus and down my leg? Oh, no. Yeah. So it's like the most like, and I, I just took it as, well... In the culinary industry, you don't get any breaks. So at least, you know, I get to have a couple of days off. Right. And my sister was like, no, honey, you're going to be out for a minimum of six months. That turned out to be a whole year and a half. <gasps> like not working? Working. Like um, I, I even like I, I've defied orders um, so bad during that time where he was like, listen. And I was like, well, how much of a limitation are we talking about? And he's like, you're allowed to go to physical therapy. But he's like, you're not allowed to sweep. You're not allowed to mop. And I'm like, wait, hold up, hold up. What? Right. And he's like, you're getting this. He's like, you have a herniated disc um, to be. I need you to understand. 
that this is something that's happened over time. And because the weight is piled on top of it, mm-hmm. um, and because you're very inactive, and I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, I was super defensive. I'm like, no, no, no. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I work in the culinary field. And he's like, no, no, no. Standing on your feet, that's great. It's great that you're not in a sedentary job, but you're not active. You're mm-hmm. not doing anything for this. And now you're at a point where it's impacting your mobility, where you have a herniated disc, you have sciatica, and you have this, um, he's like, you have a, a disc degeneration going on. And I'm like, a disc who? Right, right. And this is your like, what, about 30 or 28 at this time? Or? Like 20, maybe, what, 25, 26? Let me see. I'm born 1985. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the year, um, the year of Hurricane, um, Hurricane Sandy. Here in New York, we we had Hurricane Sandy. I went out the week before Hurricane oh, wow. Sandy. Wow. And I was out until 2013 and I laughed it off. And he's like, You're, he's like, you do know that you, he started doing other blood tests uh-huh. and he rolled out these referrals. And then it got real when he started writing out these prescriptions. And I took the prescriptions for like a couple of days and I'm like, no, I can't do anything. Right. I'm like, yeah, muscle relax. And he's, I was like, hey, is it, is it a cure for this? And he's like, no, like, he's like, you have to go to physical therapy. We can give you acupuncture. We can, we can do this, this, and this, but you're restricted from doing this, this, and this, this, and this. And literally running was like one of those main things that he told me I could not do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wasn't interested in running, but you're not going to tell me what I cannot do because I'm right. defiant. Right. You know, it's like, I need you to understand this can get so bad that you won't be able to clean yourself. And it did. Wow. Wow. At that, at that point, I didn't want to live. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I didn't want to live. I gave up. And, you know, people say things like, you know, well, you have to live for your kid. Well, if you can't find that quality in yourself, it is easier said than done. Mm-hmm. It took for, out of all things, it took for me to hit the rock bottom where I couldn't be the funny fat friend laughing anymore. Mm. Uh, and that was May 27th. I got like so I stopped weighing, like I say, to over 265 pounds and I stopped weighing myself. After I saw that 265, it devastated me. It was mm-hmm. just something about that where I was just like, hey, I know I was big. I know that I'm wearing like a size 24. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize I was this big, you mm-hmm. know, and I would look at the pictures and it was just like, you know, some people can see their weight. I was one of those people. I couldn't see my weight. Uh-huh. I was like, what up? I'm like, I'm like, girl, please, I'm fly. And not realizing yeah, my health is really going down the tubes mm-hmm. and I'm trying to be okay with this, but I've been lying to myself so much about, because I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to hear it from anyone else. Right. I didn't want to hear it from anyone else and I didn't want to believe it. And then it was just one day I was like, I can't do anything. Right. I don't have my ability. I don't, I don't have my career that I fought hard for, you right. know, I, it was on the uprise and now everything's being stripped. And I wanted that back. So that's how it started off as a weight loss journey. I ended up going to Instagram out of all places. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never forget this woman. Her name is Jenda Reamer. And she's a school teacher by day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she inspired me because she was doing all these like workouts and she had like this ripped body. And I'm like, man, I wish I could look like her. Mm-hmm. She's beautiful. I'm not. And for some reason, I've, was, I turned into what, what now my, my followers do to me. I turned into one of those people that wrote her. And I was mm-hmm. like, I have no idea why I'm writing a complete stranger. But you look incredible. And I wish that I can do half of what you do. And she's like, you already have it in you. Mm-hmm. That was the advice that she gave me May 27th, 2013. Wow. And she was like, all you have to do is actually give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. I literally took that one piece, of, that one line, right. ran with it. 
for a year, the first year I was doing nothing but like basic workouts and jumping jacks. I couldn't breathe. Um, I was, I, 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 I took, I, the thing is I, I do away the whole idea of diet culture. Diet culture tells you, you have to throw everything out the cabinet. I instead decided I was going to take certain things out of my life. So, okay, cool. I'm not going to eat five Kit Kat today. This is not even an exaggerated number. Okay. I used to eat, like, <laughs> I used to eat like five Kit Kats a day. I mean, like anything that you can think of, like, oh, it's sweet. It's salty. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't worry about it. I can find a way to incorporate it in my cooking. Um, and I, <laughs> I, what I did know is that I did not want to lose flavor in my uh-huh. meals, but I did want it to be healthier. So I started weaning myself off of the things that I just felt like was unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And the weight was just like sliding off of me. I'm like, holy crap, here I am doing basic workouts. Because people sometimes look at my videos mm-hmm. and they're like, you just look like you've been doing this all your life. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, this is five years. Five, <laughs> <laughs> six years of doing this. Um, and then my friend who I haven't met yet, I'm going to meet him this year. We were MySpace buddies, which says a lot. 2003, mm-hmm. uh, long story short, he signs up for a half marathon. And I was like, that's a bucket list item. At this point, I started getting confidence. I think that weight loss was my placebo mm-hmm. and to be brave about doing things that I never thought I can do. So I was like, I want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane, even though heights scare me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, you know, screw it. I see people doing it in the movies. Why not? Uh, so when I lost this weight, I decided I was going to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Uh, I wanted to yeah. travel you know, things that I thought I couldn't do because things that we examine, especially when we're plus size, we start to examine um, things and say, oh, well, I'm not going to be able to sit on a plane. I'm going to be one of those people that's going to get embarrassed mm-hmm. and have to get an extender for the, you know, these are the things that right. we think about and we're conditioned to think about because you see all the heckling, even down to, I hate to say it, even in journalism, where you'll see the comment section. Um, and you're like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be turned into a meme. It's not about the number anymore to me, and it hasn't oh. been for a long time. It's absolutely about how um, how agile I am, how mm. many things I can do that uh, that everybody should be able to do that right. I wasn't doing, um, and then how many things that I want to do that are even more than what everybody else is doing because I want to do them for me. So it's so much not about the number, but I mean, I found I had to get to the point where I felt confident in my body to do mm-hmm. this thing or that thing. And so it sounds like that's where you were getting as you were finding those oh yeah those like, challenges that were beyond the weight they were about the head the mind the the feeling is something that I'm always chasing mm-hmm. I'm always yes. chasing that is it is thing like you, you trade off one vice for another you know uh that's that's really what running did for me because I was right. like don't get me wrong I was doing all these you know workouts or whatever I was doing like I had learned how to do a push up right. I was going to yoga class I had learned how to ride a bike you know <laughs> even though I was like 28 years old and like 27 28 and all the kids in the neighborhood I mean kids mm-hmm. were actually teasing me and they like how are you that old and not know how to ride a bike? And I'm like, uh, I just don't. Right. And it's like, uh, and these kids were riding circles around me. It's hilarious. Kids are brutal. But, uh, you know, it was something about running that clicked because when you do marathons and ultra marathons, mm-hmm. even like when you just do, even when you do a 5K, there is something about that when you find something that works for you mm-hmm. of how it taps into your brain and it's like, all right, each day is teaching you a lesson. So every time I go out there and I do a training run, if it's a crappy day, it teaches me, wow, I managed to actually get through this crappy day. Um, and I actually went for this run. And if I'm having a really good day, oh, man, I can't believe my legs actually moved me this, you know, this far. And it's not about, wow, it moved me that far because 
uh, you know, even though I'm, you know, or the butt that we place in there, right. you know, um, I move fast for a fat person or I, you know, um, I did that well for a fat person. Like those are, those are not statements that I add in anymore. Running. I totally gave, hear you. Yeah. It gave me my, my placebo. It gave me right. my placebo to do more, to challenge myself more. And I'm so thankful for the gift of running and mobility that I didn't think I was going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point before, but before Hoka actually came into my life, I was just like, this is going to suck because now here I am finding myself and I love being a runner, but I don't know if my body's going to be able to hold up to it. And I mean, this is at the point where I had lost the weight and everything. And, you know, and then I started slowly gaining a little bit of it back because I realized the comments never left. Right. Isn't you that know? crazy? That's yeah. just, that's something that blows my mind. Yeah. yeah, you, yeah but you're, gonna, you're not going to be good enough for someone, but you're going to be incredible for someone else. Right, uh, right. But what you are to yourself is the most valuable thing. And when I found that fitness and the way that I spoke to myself changed and evolved, I just wanted to get more and more of it. I'm like, how can I get another serving of that? How can mm-hmm. I get another serving of that <laughs> feel good moment? You you want to indulge, not overindulge to a point where you're like conceited, but just enough where it makes you feel full, not mm-hmm. stuffed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what running and fitness does for me. And now that I have it, I'm like, how can I make this contagious? That's what, mm-hmm. I, that's what my mindset has been since the end of 2017 until now, how can I make this just as contagious? Maybe it's not fitness. That is somebody else's thing, which is cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want people to find their happy, their peace within themselves because, Hell, I don't want to be around a whole bunch of miserable people. <laughs> right. I know. Who does, right? Right. And it's yeah. so it is contagious and it flows to everything. And, and like my thing is bike. It's the kind of thing that because I set big challenges for myself there and I accomplish them, it spills into everything. Like it gives me yes. confidence in everything else. And then the next thing, it's so I might it might give me confidence to go speak up in front of a group. And then that right. gives me confidence to do the next thing. And so yeah, once people find their thing that challenges them and they can't, they have to have more. Like that's how biking yeah. is. I have to have more. I have to have another ride. I mean, I actually miss doing centuries. Um, doing 100 mile bike rides was just like my thing. Uh, wow. I, I, wow. Like that was my first year. Like that was all I did was like yoga and cycling was just like my thing. And then running came in and was like, hey, how can I be part of the party? And I'm like, all right, cool. You come in too. <laughs> you know, um, you don't do things small, do you? 100, 100 mile bike rides. So, yeah. okay. <laughs> I don't know what it is about the about the distance, um, either with cycling or obstacle course racing or even running uh, that actually gets me. I think it's really the where my mind goes. Like mm-hmm. it, it forces me to tap into dark moments. Mm-hmm. And this is going to sound like, you know, it sounds like a little, uh, not, not, I want to say, not, I think it's a level of where I want to be able to feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, like I'm not saying I'm one of those kids that like to play with, um, with, with fire, but right. I like seeing where my mind goes through this entire process. When mm-hmm. I think back to my 100K, oh my gosh, I wanted to kill everybody around me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, out of all places that I would choose to do my first 100K, I chose the desert. Oh, um, wow. Which which is completely different than doing something like here in New York, like New York, I can kind of predict the weather somewhat, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, okay, this is the time of year. All right. It's going to be this hot. It's going to be this humid. It's going to be these elements with the desert. Holy crap. It goes from blistering hot to freezing cold 
And it's just a matter of what time of the day. And then you throw in elements like snakes and spiders. And I have a huge fear of spiders. I have right. a huge um, fear of snakes. I, you know, I'm like, great. So I would throw myself into an extreme situation. But I, I think that what it, what it is about endurance running and endurance um, activities that really intrigues me, it forces me to work smarter. Mm-hmm. If for a, it it taps into a level of I didn't think I can do that, but it's worth trying. Mm-hmm. It taps into fears. It makes me be the boogeyman to my fears, and right. so many ways where I'm just like I'm so terrified of this, but I'm so tired of my fears stopping me from being the best. Oh, pro- isn't that the yeah. truth? Isn't that the it truth? Is. That's the thing. That's yeah. the thing is the fact that when the fears are stopping me from doing what I want. I'm like, I'm so tired of you. Just go away. <laughs> I mean, this this last week I crushed three of them in um, short order. And I keep forgetting what the third one was. Oh, oh, three of them. So I sang karaoke alone. Yes. I soloed a karaoke song. It was horrible, but I did it. <laughs> and I um I went cross-country skiing again for the second time, which I what I so I got over the fear the first time, but the second time it was super, super slippery because it was melting. And I knew that it was gonna be harder. And there was a voice in my head going, just do this, don't even think about it. And I did it and it was fun. And then I did a full face plant down the hill. And and luckily they <laughs> caught the whole thing on video. So we've got that live out there. <laughs> And then I went to this um, Jane Erbacher, a former guest on the show, who's a trainer around the world from Australia. She was doing a skier workshop at a CrossFit gym in Madison. And I went to it, which was so scary because I'm not a CrossFitter by any means. And first of all, everyone there was so incredibly nice. And that's the thing that's so different from gyms today. But Mm. I'll get back to that in a second. Yeah. But anyway, I got through the skier thing. Nobody had to haul me out on a stretcher. I did fine. I felt I was actually pretty <laughs> proud of how I showed that day. But um, yeah, so the other thing is gyms are so different now. Remember, there were, or maybe they still exist, but these super like Barbie gyms where everyone's in oh. the perfect outfits and everybody's, it's all about God. like flexing in the mirror. It's yes. so different now. I mean, all the gyms I go to, and I've gone to a lot of different gyms around the area. I, I move around a lot. And even this CrossFit gym, everyone was so nice and supportive. It's such a different environment. So for people who are hesitant to go to gyms, you, you would encourage them too, right? It's a different yes. world now than than it used to be. Oh my gosh. Like this, gym anxiety is very real for people. And don't get me wrong. You're, you're going to find your bad apples everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. It's going to be somebody who's like, oh, you shouldn't do this. Like, I, I mean, I get it. I don't get it as much now, maybe because of the media. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but before, when I first started going to the gym and I, like, I started incorporating that into my routine where I started tapping into powerlifting, um, I was so intimidated about going to mm-hmm. the weight section because I'm like, there's nothing but men over here. Uh-huh. And the few women that I see here, they're lean, but they're super ripped. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, here I am. I'm really ripped at my legs. I'm semi-ripped with my my arms. Like my arms are pretty muscular. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see a little bit of like, you know, like a little bit of my chest. But when it comes down to my stomach, you know, I, you know, I pretty much I have like, you know, this kind of rounder stomach or uh-huh. whatever. And it came from like the C-section, having the weight, you know, or whatever. Right. And I'm just like, great. I don't fit in with the quote unquote stereotypical fat crowd and I don't fit in with the the gym bros. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at me strangely. I had to really get outside of my head and say, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to take this as a practice. And this is what something I usually tell people. Like People are like, how do I get over my fear of, um, of gym anxiety? And I'm like, cool, here's what you do. I'm like, give yourself two weeks. You're going to go to the gym. You're going to first day, get dressed. 
walk outside, stand outside the gym if, if your anxiety is that bad. Right. If you're not that bad, then move on to the second step. The second step is to actually walk inside, actually walk around the facility. Mm-hmm. Get a feel. Familiarize yourself with the equipment. Familiarize yourself with the where, where there's busy times of the day mm-hmm. or when there's dead moments. Then get yourself like, I mean, and I mean, practice this like three to four days. I don't care if you never pick up one weight, you don't go on the right. treadmill, just literally get yourself into the mindset of going because eventually when you practice that, you are going to get that itch where it's like, you know what? I'm tired of coming here. Like it's decoration. I'm going to actually do something and screw all the people. If it means that you have to hold on to a placebo, like headphones, then you <laughs> do that. If it means that, cause I, sometimes I go to the gym and I put on headphones, mm-hmm. uh, and just so and it's not playing anything just because I want to be able to look like I'm not accessible. Right. Like, yep, don't, yep, totally don't, don't come over to me. Don't touch me. Don't tap me. Don't say, hey, can you, can you move over? Like, I'm like, sorry, I can't hear you, even though I'm playing nothing. <laughs> you know, it, like I had to do that. I do that, too. <laughs> you know, especially as a woman. Like, right. Sometimes we get the guys will come over. Hey, you know, I can help you with this. No, thank you. And then they don't get <laughs> the, the, the no thank you as a nice way of me saying, hey, can you please screw off? You know, and <laughs> so if, if you have to do that then you do what you got to do. And I mean, and I, when I hear the flip side to it, where I have guys that actually tell me about their, you know, their own insecurities about right. not fitting in and going to the weight section. And I was like, wow, they have the same type of anxiety as I do. Totally. That's the thing that's crazy. Everyone there probably has it. I mean, even though we don't want to think it. And, you know, I love being, at, the reason I love being at the gym is I like kind of soaking up the energy of it because mm. everyone there is taking care of themselves. Yes. And the other thing is I learn from other people. I watch what other people are doing. I'm like, oh, that looks like a good idea. I try not to, hopefully you're not watching me because half the time I don't know what I'm doing, but <laughs> also caught on video if anyone's wondering. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's a, it can be such a supportive environment. And especially if yeah. you kind of find your groove of a normal time you end up going and you make fr- maybe a few friends okay. and yes. it can be really amazing if you get that, get over that hump. And it happens though, because especially like when you see somebody enough, like, I mean, at one point I was going there like religiously, I think it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Mm -hmm. And people knew that I was coming there at that time. And I was coming there at like, oh gosh, like definitely hours. I'll come there at five o'clock in the morning. Right. And I would be out of there. I wouldn't come there anything later than seven o'clock. When I stopped going for three weeks, when I came back, uh-huh. the guys were like, hey, you know, what happened to you? Like, they was like, we don't know your name, but you're the girl that comes over there with the skirt with the skirts on. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, they identified me as the, the woman that's always rocking out in the corner. I would stick to the same corner. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I would, you know, I would choose. And they was like, yeah, they was like, how do you do that thing with the basu ball where you just stand on it and you're just like so level? Like, you don't even look like you're going to fall off. And I'm like, oh, you know, and next thing you know. You have friends I know. or you have, you have admirers or you have people who are rooting for you and you don't even know it. I can't. Wow. I mean, totally. It's totally the yeah. case. Like people would talk to me and I'm like, I didn't even know they knew I was there. Right. <laughs> and also like if you're, if fitness is a goal for someone, if they really want to change their life through fitness, why not go around people who are doing it? I want to make sure we get into uh, the last little fun part of the show, which is three random facts. If you want to tell the listeners three random facts about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, see, this is it's, it's a fact, but it's like probably one of those facts that if somebody's watching my Instagram story, they probably would say, eh, that's not something that, that's new. Um, I am a huge Bob Ross fan. Bob so Ross? The I'm painter? A, I'm, yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. I am obsessed with him so much to the point where I, this is a terrible thing that I'm about to admit to. In my head. 
my husband is the real life Bob Ross reincarnated. Um, he is the black Bob Ross. <laughs> Whenever he grows out his like his beard, his mustache, and he and he doesn't decide to get a haircut. I'm just like, I'm so super attracted to him. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I got the real life Bob Ross here. And I literally have a figurine. Like people crack up during the Instagram stories. Cause at the end, like he pops up in my pictures and my food videos. <laughs> he pops up on pictures that I put up on Instagram. And they're like, is that Bob Ross? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, he he paints happy, happy trees. So he's he's my unofficial, <laughs> he's my unofficial sous chef. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. He, like I, I call him Bob Ross the sous chef, and he is my inner voice of always reminding me to be positive. Like, there's something about him that's super ASMR, um, which is just basically just a nice little term that people are like, oh, yeah, your videos give me ASMR. I had to look up the term, and I'm like, what is this? And they're like, it's like when you put, like, you know, something that's really, really calming that oh, you're watching. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when, when I do food videos, I tend to pair it with music. Um, oh, okay. So that's like, it's like one, it's like a, a first and a second fact about me. So pretty much one is the Bob Ross thing. Like I really <laughs> use him as a mantra for my everyday life. And secondly, um, anytime that I play music, I am literally setting off a theme to my brain. Um, it's like almost like people have like their internal soundtracks. Yes. For, yes. for, for me, anytime I play a certain uh, song or a certain type of genre, you can kind of figure out where my mind is at for that day. So if I'm playing Marilyn Manson, I'm probably trying to tap into something. <laughs> if I'm if I'm playing something like Donny Hathaway, then that is me actually on a personal level. That's me uh, kind of tapping into good times with my dad. My dad's mm. been gone for 10 years. Mm. Um, and he had this habit where on Sundays we would cook meals together uh, but he would always play things like um, Donny Hathaway or Sam Cooke or certain songs. Like it was a mixture of jazz and blues. And uh, it, he gave me my appreciation for different types of music. So I can listen to anything from the 1920s to oh, the current trash music that we have today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, I'm sorry to anybody that actually likes the trash music. Like, you know, I'm no judgment, you know, but it's just... Uh, those are like the the two the two um, things about me. But the third thing is, in my heart, I always wanted to be this well-rounded um, artist. Not just because uh, the things I have no formal training and being a painter, I've literally learned how to paint through art therapy. It oh, took wow. yeah, it literally it like I, I kept cursing up my therapist. Um, mm -hmm. It's very terrible. Like I was going through like this really dark depression and it was before I got diagnosed with endometriosis. And at least now I don't feel so crazy. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I was starting to feel, I was feeling that way. I was feeling like, Oh my God, why, why is everybody telling me there's nothing wrong with me, but I'm feeling all these pains and I, I can't hold on to children. And you know, it, it was going through all of these. Like, I got, I stopped counting after like four or five um, miscarriages. And I'm like, uh... I was like, my body just doesn't like me. But I started cursing out my therapist because the thing is that the, the, the terrible part about being in social work is you're you know the questions mm -hmm. that people are going to ask you, or and you're like, that, I'm that, on to you, yeah, yeah. So I would I would walk in the room like super indignant. I'm like, oh, okay, so you're going to ask me about this intake assessment? So you're going to ask me my age and you know what's bothering me? And then you're going to repeat back? And I mean, I was just so condescending, it was like asshole, you know. So, <laughs> and I and I just like like literally, I was just going through therapists, and I had this one guy. I don't know. I think he came about as a recommendation and he literally was like, I heard about you because I had went to a private practice. And he's like, we're not going to do it this way. And he's like, 
He's like, all I need to know about you is your name. And I was like, this. And he's like, all right, what things do you like? And I was like, this is not the way I expected this to go. And he's like, Mm -hmm. so the second session, he literally throws paint at me. Oh. He gives me a pack of paint. And he's like, bring this. He's like, like, I'm not charging you for this session. Come back and paint something. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know how to paint. He's He's like, you're a smart girl. You'll figure it out. Like, he was just as much as a, like, I can't say that word. I I'm like, <laughs> just fill in the blank, guys. Okay? I gotcha. You know, it's a four-letter word. You know, it's just like, he was just so bad. Uh-huh. And, 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 like, he, he just, he's like, challenge accepted. And he's like, come back here next session. I don't care what, he's like, I don't care if you paint stick figures. Paint something of what you're feeling. Mm. And somehow, Bob Ross. Oh. That's the reason why all this circles. This is the reason why I keep them on my counter. Um, I was like, okay, I don't know how to paint. The first thing I paint was my miscarriage. Oh, ouch. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, for somebody who doesn't know how to paint, he's like, you got it. And I was like, okay, thank you. And he started, he didn't examine the picture. He examined the colors. Oh, okay. The colors that I was choosing. And he's like, these are some really strong colors. And he, I was choosing reds and oranges and yellows. And like, I was choosing everything except for white. Mm. And he just started working with it. And he's like, why did you do this? And I'm like, okay, this was not, this is not a typical, you know, session. Right. But thanks to him. I realized how much I love painting abstracts. Uh-huh. I like doing self-portraits, but self-portraits are not like, hey, that you can actually recognize as me in the picture. I paint self-portraits of my mind. <gasps> I need to see these. Yeah, like I literally have them like here in my office. And, like, I in would the, um, love to see them. Yeah, like um, I think one of the photographers I worked with last year um, for Huck Magazine, he literally was interviewing me like about my fitness and he stopped and he's like, who painted this? And I was like, no, that's me. I was like, that's what I painted that. And he's like, you're an artist? And I'm like, no, I'm not an artist. I'm like, I'm not <laughs> class trained. And he's like, he's like, okay, you have a house full of books. <laughs> you know? He just started looking around. He's like, you have a guitar sitting here in the corner. He's like, is this all you? And I'm like, yeah, this is me. And he's like, he's like, he's like, you're, he's like, you're a Renaissance woman. I'm like, no, definitely not. I'm like, you know, I don't have no training in this, but I realized that I love art mm-hmm. in every form and any way that would give me a, a freedom to express myself um, without words at times is a gift. I, I, I love being able to do that on my free time, just being mm-hmm. able to just kind of read somebody else's story, um, somebody else's biography, read. That's the reason why I love taking my time to read through the comments. Mm-hmm. Um, or take, you know, take the time to actually respond back to people because you get so used to, especially with being in the public eye, mm-hmm. you get so used to telling your story that you're intrigued by learning somebody else's. Oh, absolutely. And that's refreshing to me. So to right. be able to do that now through paint, whenever I have downtime, to be able to pick up acrylics, you know, and say, all right, here's this scrap paper or here's this cardboard and I can turn it into something. Right. That's that's my that's my my I don't know my catnip (laughs) right right that's that's fascinating that's absolutely the most I never saw that one coming (laughs) and I that's what I love that's what I love about the random facts there's always a zinger and it's going to sit with me for a while because I would argue that maybe you're not an athlete maybe athleticism is another art form for you it is like uh, this. Ashley gave me my, and I, I always say this: like it's my placebo to mm-hmm. being able to connect with people. Mm-hmm. I can have some of the most intriguing conversations while out on a run. When I do ultra marathons, 
I tend to, I realize that I can get, it's almost, you, you treat it like Vegas. Mm-hmm. Whatever you talk about on the road stays on the road. Right. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. You know, like these conversations, you learn about people's divorces, um, mm-hmm. their happy moments, uh, how many pills they're taking, you know, um, regimens. You talk about poop. Like, uh-huh. I mean, that's something that's very common with ultra marathons. We, we talk about like the strangest things. Hey, you know, my poop came out great today. Well, do you think that's normal? No, that's not normal. Honey. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, like we talk about the strangest things, you know, and running and fitness is, is an art form right. for me because I get to see people essentially paint themselves into a different type of creature or, right. you know, like today is a day I want to make myself tall. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be a giraffe. I'm going to have limbs like this. So I'm going to be this. I want to be a cheater when I'm out there. This is how I visualize. This is the type of animal that I'm going to be for today. This is how I paint myself. Uh, And I'm able to do that through physical form. So Mm -hmm. regardless of how fast or slow or uh, what I look like in my head, my soundtrack, my internal soundtrack is telling me this is the badass that I am today. Mm. And nobody can tell me different. And when I choose to pick up my brush, which happens to be my legs, and I move them, mm-hmm. that is my art. I get to paint that and other people get to examine it. And the thing about art is you have to know when to stop. You mm-hmm. have to know when to stop as an artist and step back and let people actually take it in. That's, that's literally like, I mean, because outside of this, I'm a photographer, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so it's something that I had to learn through photography school that once you take that picture and you put it in an exhibit, you have to learn as the artist to step back, be silent and let your viewers make their own assessments of what they think you are and what you mm-hmm. were trying to capture. And that is hard, but it helps you grow mm-hmm. as an artist. And I think that's what helps me uh, as an athlete. It helps me grow into myself because I get to literally take back, literally get to put up one thing, whether it's an article or talking about my experiences. Mm-hmm. And I let people make their own assessments, regardless if I'm here, I'm giving feedback. Um, I let them assess maybe a, re- a reflection of themselves through me or totally, you know, it's, is is very interesting. Like, I mean, people like to use that term life imitates art. I think that we are all art. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. This has been such an incredible conversation. I mean, I'm just like mesmerized by you and your story, your storytelling and your experience. And really like the number of things you're doing as a human being. I was looking at your website and reading all the things, you know, an influencer, a journalist, a chef, and on and on and on. And all the things you covered today, it's a life well lived. Isn't that really what we want? Well, Latoya, I can't even thank you enough. Let's make sure we tell everybody where they can find you. Um, What are your websites? So if you want to follow me, um, do my blog, that's www.runningfatchef.com. Don't whisper that. That is (laughs) www.runningfatchef.com. If you want to hit me up an email, that's runningfatchef at gmail.com. My inbox is open. It's going to take me a while, but I promise you eventually, eventually, I'll get back to you. On social media, you can catch me at Instagram. That's www.instagram.com slash I-A-M-L-S-H-A-U-N-T-A-Y. That's I am L Shante. You can also find me on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash running fat chef. You can also find me for all of my serious commentary um, <laughs> on Twitter. And that's www.twitter.com slash Latoya Shante. Um, the former dark web, AKA Tumblr. Um, now <laughs> it is, yeah, Tumblr has changed. <laughs> it is, it's I am L Shante dot 
www.tumblr.com. But please feel free um, to send over a friend request on my personal page. Just understand that it is very unfiltered. If you find today's podcast to be very unfiltered, um, know that it is 10 times worse on my page. <laughs> I talk about jokes and politics and very sensitive topics, but it's always uh, with understanding that, you know, I try not to have anybody disrespect each other, even if our views do not match. Mm-hmm. Respect across the board is something that I always appreciate. Nobody's going to always agree with what everybody's going to say. Just find your voice through my platform. Um, I welcome you. Well, thank you again. This has been just amazing. I recorded this episode a couple of months ago when I first discovered LaToya. And it's interesting that it took me that long to get back and edit it. And it has to do with lots of things, life and all that. But especially this particular one is very close to my heart. I've experienced the really traumatic effects of fat shaming pretty much my entire life. And at this stage in my life where I feel like I have so much going for me and I've got it all figured out, it can still be a part of the way that I'm perceived. And what I wish for everybody listening is that you would A, see the strength and power behind her, see the love and compassion behind our voices, and especially try to look at people as the whole person because you will be amazed at what you see when you do. And that's my lesson for today. Let me know what you think about this and what your experience has been. You can email me at jnicklisteningparticles.com or just message me on any of the social media sites. Take care, everyone. So, are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. For up-to-the-moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.